This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in on the action yourself, with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. We'd like to thank our newest patrons, Ian Lenthart and Donovan Bain, for already donating. For more stories or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com. And now, Voice of All presents The Gathering Storm, Chapter 20 by Django Wexler. Vraska and Lavinia. Raoul looked at the pair of them and narrowed his eyes. But it's not, is it? Lavinia would never work for Bolas. Not voluntarily. He has a sort of... emissary. A fragment of a spirit, I think. It can control people. Raoul, remembering Glademaster Garrow in his attempted coup at Selesnia, nodded slowly. I've met the thing. So... Is she on our side, or their side, or what? I, I just, I have trouble keeping up, you know? She's on their side. But try not to kill her. Ah, Ral. Lavinia stepped forward. The voice was hers, but the tone, the manner, was all wrong. It was Bolus, or at least the fragment of Bolus that had been flitting around Ravnica. In the old days, such concerns would never have troubled you. When did you get so soft-hearted? When I got away from you. So quick to anger, too. Lavinia put on a self-satisfied smirk. Almost like you have something to be ashamed of. I've done a great many things I'm ashamed of. Raoul looked at Vraska. That doesn't mean I have to add to my sins by helping him. Don't pretend you understand me, Zarek. Vraska loosened her saber in its scabbard. And don't try to claim the moral high ground here. There's a ruined city full of my people you have to account for. We had no choice. If you hadn't betrayed us in the first place... His eyes went back to Lavinia, who was still smiling. Ral stopped abruptly. They want to drag this out. If Bolas gets away from Niv-Mizzet, he can smash this place to pieces. We have to end this as quickly as we can. So what's the plan? I'll handle Lavinia. I could probably stun her. Power crackled in his hands. You and Hakara keep Vraska busy. Don't get too close, she can- I've fought Gorgons before. I can handle myself. And besides, turning to stone might be fun. I would try to make sort of a silly face, like, and then that'd be a statue forever. (laughs) Yeah, let's try to avoid that. He stepped to the left, toward Lavinia, while Kaya circled to the right, and Hakara walked nonchalantly down the middle. Vraska and Lavinia both drew their swords, matching their opponent. Raoul gave the Gorgon a last glance, then shook his head and concentrated on his opponent. I hope Kaya's Kaya's high high opinion of herself is justified. justified. He'd never seen Lavinia fight. In her Azorius days, however, she'd been a famed duelist, and her crisp stance with the blade indicated she hadn't let her skills go to rust. Raoul raised one hand and launched an exploratory bolt of lightning, which crackled across the room and earthed itself on her chest. Lavinia didn't flinch, and magic glowed from her armor. Lightning ward. Like Glademaster Garo, she'd come prepared. So this isn't going to be easy. Another step forward, and Lavinia moved as suddenly as if he'd crossed a tripwire. 
Her footwork was so smooth, she seemed to flow over the ground, sword flicking out in a casual thrust that would have run Rao through the throat. He sidestepped, caught her next swing on the steel bracer extending back from his Mizium gauntlet, and let loose a burst of lightning at close range. This time, Lavinia did flinch, but only slightly, and the lightning ward buzzed as it consumed most of the power. Lavinia reversed her swing, and Rao retreated to put a steel support pillar between them. He thought furiously as she circled around. I could overload the ward. That's what he'd done to Garo, but it had its risks. It would use up much of the power left in his accumulator, and probably kill Lavinia if he didn't gauge the discharge just right. Damn it, damn it, damn it! I should have insisted on sending someone with her. She said she was tracking down Bolus's lead agent. That has to be Tezzeret. He must have gotten the drop on her. What's the matter, Rao? You don't seem to be throwing yourself into violence with your usual verb. Why Lavinia? If you wanted someone here to stop me, why not send Tezzeret? Because you'd love the chance to settle the score with Tezzeret. Bolus made Lavinia's face pout, the expression looking utterly unnatural on her. But hurting poor Lavinia will break your heart. Break my heart? This is to hurt me? Oh, you have no idea what I'm going to do to you. I don't like it when people don't pay their debts, Ral Zarek. I made you what you are, and when I asked for a favor in return, you turned your back on me. For that, Lavinia's going to die. Your friends here will die. But you I will keep, because you are going to watch everyone you care for die screaming. Starting with poor little Tomic. Such a nice boy. <laughs> Lavinia's lips twisted unnaturally into the dragon's awful grin. Raoul did his best to keep a lid on his anger. Seems like a lot of work for someone busy taking over the multiverse. It's worthwhile to pay my debts. It creates a useful reputation. Besides, it amuses me. Bola shrugged. On the other hand, maybe I'll just kill you here and now. We'll have to see. Lavinia shot forward again, fast enough that Raoul nearly missed the move and got skewered. He threw himself to one side as her sword scraped against the support pillar, drawing sparks. Her leg hooked out and wrapped around his, sending him tumbling to the floor, and he rolled sideways just in time to avoid a downward strike. Raoul put his hands out, unleashing a powerful burst of energy, and the force of it picked Lavinia up and hurled her against a pillar. Her armor rang against it with a sound like a gong, and she dropped to one knee. Raoul grabbed a hanging cable and hauled himself to his feet. Lavinia straightened up as well, a line of red dribbling from the corner of her mouth. Oh, I felt that. Or rather, Lavinia did. Careful with your toys, Raoul, or you'll end up breaking them. Damn. Double damn. He glanced briefly over his shoulder and saw Vraska and Kaya dancing among the steel pillars. 
Kaya couldn't seem to get close enough to use her daggers, but her ability to simply walk through the obstacles had kept her out of the way of Vraska's serrated sword and away from her deadly gaze thus far. Hikara lurked at the edge of the fight, sending razor-edge projectiles at the Gorgon whenever she had a clear shot. Holding their own, but not winning. And Bolas had to be getting closer. We need to get past them. Raoul glanced at the security keyboard, but Lavinia followed his gaze and shook her head. Thinking of running out on me, Zarek? The dance is only half done. She raised her blade. Come on, then. <sighs> no choice. Raoul let power gather in his gauntlets as he closed the distance. He ducked under a slash, blocked another with his bracer, and reached for Lavinia. She spun away, laughing and cutting at him from another angle. Raoul went after her, pent-up power in his gauntlets growing white-hot, but she was too fast. Her counterstrokes nearly caught him several times, and he had to desperately backpedal to avoid a quick, sideways cut. Raoul! A pair of Hikara's knives sailed past Lavinia, making her take a half-step back. The Razor Witch summoned more, blades dropped into existence in her hands, and Lavinia ducked and dodged through the pillars, the knives caroming off the steel. Raoul catching his breath, went after her. Try and hold her attention. That's what she said. I don't- Raoul shook his head as the girl <laughs> cackled and kept his mind you know? on the fight. Having to watch Hikara restricted Lavinia's movements and Raoul quickly closed in. Soon Lavinia was on the defensive, slashing to keep him away while she ducked and dodged the barrage of blades. Raoul waited until one strike came a little too far forward and then bowled into it, scraping the sword away with one bracer as he brought his other hand around, crackling with deadly power. Raoul, don't! Raoul hesitated. Not for long, but it was enough. Bolus's smile coiled across Lavinia's face, and she kicked him in the stomach, doubling him over. He sank to his knees, gasping for breath. Idiot! Lavinia's sword came forward. There was a moment of frantic motion, and then a moment of stillness. The three of them were close, close enough to embrace. Raoul struggling to rise, and Lavinia, her blade extended. Between them was Sakara, taking Lavinia's sword high in the chest. It passed cleanly through her leather motley suit, the tip emerging a few inches from her back, just inside the shoulder blade, far enough to dimple Raoul's skin without piercing it. Raoul caught her before she could fall. Hikara! She leaned back to look up at him, still grinning. Mm, mates, right? <laughs> mates. Mm, sides. <laughs> Hikara's hands came up to touch the spot where Lavinia's sword entered her flesh. Never been stabbed all the way through before. Always wondered what it was like. <laughs> she coughed spraying blood across the steel, and stared at it in fascination. It's not so bad. hurt as much as I thought. Lavinia stepped away, pulling her sword free with a tooth-rattling scrape of blade on bone. Hikara's eyes went very wide, and a gout of blood pulsed from the wound. Oh. <laughs> That's more like it. And she died, with a little shiver that jangled the bells in her hair. You see, Ral. You see what your mercy gets you.
Raoul surged to his feet with a roar, springing across Akara's body. Lavinia pivoted and swung, and Raoul blocked with his bracer, sword impacting with bone-shaking force. Before she could pull it away, his other hand shot out, grabbing the blade near the base. It cut into his palm, but he didn't care. Power surged through him, flowing down the wires linking his accumulator to his gauntlets, torrenting into the steel. The blade began to smoke, and Lavinia let go of it reflexively as it grew too hot to touch. It sizzled as it hit the floor, glowing cherry red, slowly losing its shape as it melted into a pool of slag. Lavinia danced backward, but Ral stayed with her, grabbing her arm and yanking her off balance. She aimed to kick at his midsection, and he accepted it with a grunt, his other hand grabbing for her throat. There was something there, a bit of metal with a glowing crystal in it that Ral had seen when she'd leaned in to stab Hikara. He didn't know what it was, but the look of the thing made its origin unmistakable. Tezzeret. He grabbed it and yanked it free. Still you persist in your attempt to- Lavinia backed away from him, stumbled, and clutched at her head. No, stop it! Get out of my head! She doubled over, clutching her skull, and something burst out of her. A misty, spectral shape took form above her as she collapsed to the floor. It was indistinct, but nevertheless, Ral could see its outlines. Vaguely humanoid, but the head was topped by long, curving horns. Poor fools. The voice was bolus through and through now, scraping against Ral's thoughts. All I have to do is find another body. You know you can't stop me. He can't. Kaya emerged through a pillar in a burst of purple light. But I sure as hell can. A pair of daggers ablaze with energy caught the bolus thing in the back. I think we are all very sick of you. The spirit made a sound that started as a dragon's roar and rose to a tea kettle scream. Its incorporeal form writhed, then blew apart like a dandelion touched by the wind. Bits of its essence scattered in all directions before fading away. Hated that bloody thing. Then, taking in the two women on the floor, her breath caught. Hakara! Kaya, get down! His hand came up and lightning crackled out, but his aim was off and it struck and earthed on the steel pillar beside Vraska. The Gorgon swung around it, serrated sword whistling through the air. Kai got her daggers up in time to block the cut, but the force of the blow knocked her back. Before she could recover, Vraska brought the saber around in a vicious pommel strike that cracked the guard across Kaya's temple. Kaya crumpled, laid out on the floor beside Hakara and Lavinia. Vraska stalked past the three unmoving bodies, tendrils spread and writhing, focused on Ral. Brave girl, but foolish to take her eyes off the more dangerous opponent. Raoul gave ground, backing toward the outside edge of the room. He sent a bolt of lightning at the Gorgon, but she dodged behind a steel pillar, and his electricity wrapped uselessly around it. I, on the other hand, have been watching you, and what I know is that you spent entirely too much of your power. Melting Lavinia's sword? Surely that was unnecessary. I've got more than enough left to deal with you. Ral continued backing up. He didn't dare let her close. At short range, there was no way to avoid the Gorgon's deadly gaze. Electricity still crackled over his gauntlets, but Rasta was right. 
He'd spent power recklessly, here and fighting the soldiers down below. Then do it! Braska stepped away from the pillar, matching Raoul's easy steps backwards. They were well away from the core of the beacon now, approaching the exterior of the dome. Blast me to pieces. Go on. When he didn't move, her grin widened, tongue darting over sharp teeth. As I said. Is this really what you want? For Bullish to win? You think he'll let you keep running your little empire? Of course not. I'm sure he'll kill me as soon as I'm no longer useful. Then- But you're missing the point. He's going to win anyway. Niv-Mizzet can't stop him. Your beacon won't stop him. And if the only chance for the Golgari to survive is to join the winning side. She shrugged. I have to take it, no matter what the cost. He lies. You should know that. Whatever he's promised you, he has no reason to deliver. I know. But it's all I've got. Raoul's back came up against the copper dome. Vraska licked her lips. Nowhere to run, Zarek. She leveled her sword. We've done this before. And this time, there's no angel to rescue you. There isn't. But this time, we're on my turf, not yours. He reached up and found the edge of one of the gratings that let wires and conduits pierce the dome and reach outside of the tower. It was made of thin copper wire, twisted together, and Raoul sent all the power left in his backpack running through it. It sparked, then sagged, melting away. Cables flopped to the ground, leaving an opening in the dome a yard square. Outside, the storm had finally broken. Rain drummed down on the city in torrents, ringing on the dome and sluicing off it in sheets. The dark clouds that hovered all day had descended, and bright bolts leapt from one to the next, followed by distant peals of thunder. Raoul could feel their power echoed inside him, raising the hairs on the back of his neck. He smiled very slowly. You beat me when we fought in the Undercity. Now let me show you how powerful I am here, under the skies of Ravnica! Vraska snarled and lunged forward, eyes beginning to glow with their killing light. But it was far too late. Lightning arced out from the closest clouds, a dozen strokes at once, groping like searching fingers for the hole in the dome. They threaded through it like the eye of a needle and slammed into Raoul, surrounding him with a crackling, scintillating aura of brilliant white. Every hair on his head stood on end. Pieces of his backpack whined and fused, but he didn't need it. Not now. He raised one hand and let the power flow. The bolt was a monster, fed by the pent-up energy of the long-denied storm, and it crossed the space between him and Vraska in a fraction of a second. When the light faded, she was gone, replaced by a long, smoking streak on the steel floor. Ral staggered as the power faded. Channeling that much was difficult, even for him, and combined with everything that had come before, he suddenly felt as though he'd run laps around the 10th district. Nearly done. He forced himself to keep moving, lurching across the room. He knelt beside Hikara, on her back in a pool of crimson, and reached down to close her staring eyes. Beside her lay Lavinia, and Raoul made sure she was breathing easily. He did the same for Kaya, a few paces further on. 
There was blood on her head where Vraska's sword hilt had cut her, but it didn't look like the blow had cracked her skull. Satisfied she would be all right, he struggled to his feet and shuffled onward. When he finally stood in front of the beacon, staring down at the security keyboard, his mind went suddenly blank. For a moment, his stomach churned, terrified. Elias. A bit of music his lover had tapped on a keyboard a lifetime ago. Before everything. Raoul reached down, hand trembling, and pressed the keys. With a hiss, the core of the beacon opened. Above the keyboard, a single large button emerged from a locked compartment. Only one control in the end, because the beacon had only one function. Once it was turned on, its light would shine across the multiverse. The button was, of course, bright red. What is it Engineer could resist? <laughs> well... Time to roll the dice. He brought his hand down hard. Deep under the city, the Crawl Death Priest Mazarek scuttled through a damp tunnel. Storev glided along beside him, resplendent in her rotten finery, and an escort of erstwhile flanked the pair of them. Mazarek paid the zombies little heed, his mind elsewhere. Storev had brought a message arranging a meeting. She didn't know the source, but it was obvious to Mazarek, given the timing. Bonus. With Vraska gone to serve the dragon directly, and hopefully to die painfully, Bolas had promised Mazarek leadership of the Golgari. Finally, the power I deserve. The time had come for the dragon to deliver on his pledges, but he didn't know where this messenger was supposed to be meeting him. These were passages he'd never entered before, veering close to the surface and interlaced in places with the basements of some parts of the upper city. It made sense. Bolas was a creature of the surface in the end, and, like all surface dwellers, he was uncomfortable venturing too far into the underground kingdom of the swarm. Still, Mazarek looked around a little nervously as Storov led him through an archway of natural stone and into a larger cavern, which looked like it had been enlarged by human hands. How much farther do this messenger? I believe we have arrived. Storov looked around the broad, dark chamber. We have only to wait. I do not like waiting. Mazarek's many eyes narrowed. Have you lied to me, Storev? He let power bleed into his voice. He was the one who had awoken the erstwhile. None of them, even free-willed liches like Storev, could disobey a direct order or refuse a question. The lich bowed. No, my lord. 
I received a message requesting a meeting. I have brought you to the place it specified. A message? From whom? No one I know. Not Vraska, then. Mazarek was still half convinced this was some trap of the Gorgons. He looked around, irritably, and caught the glint of burning torches against the moisture-slick walls. A man was approaching, wrapped in a hooded cloak. You! You are the messenger! Yeah, I'm Brutus. Of Brutus's improvised comedy fun time show. His hood fell back, revealing a large, bald head layered over with scars. Comedy show? What nonsense is this? You don't look very funny. A lot of people say that. Brutus reached under his cloak and came up with a huge butcher's cleaver, flecked with rust and dried blood. But wait till you hear the punchline. What? Are you threatening us? Nope. Just doing a favor for Hakara. She asked me to tell you that Vraska sends her regards. Insolent! Mazarek raised one claw to obliterate the fool, then paused as something moved in the dark. More figures in Rakdos red and black emerged into the light of the torch, all around them, broad-shouldered and well-armed. None of them looked particularly interested in comedy. Starve! You knew! I did. Though, as I said, I have never met Brutus before. You will defend me. You and your erstwhile defend me to the death! Storiv inclined her head. I knew you would order that as well. The Rakdos thugs closed in. You will be destroyed! Sacrifices are necessary. The rest of us will be free. Mazarek turned away from her with a snarl, death magic leaping from his claws. There were a few moments of frantic violence, and then silence, broken only by the ugly <laughs> chuckle of Brutus's laughter. It was autumn in Ravnica, and so it rained. The torrent from the sky splashed over gutters full of shattered glass and broken bricks, and drummed on the ruins of shops and houses. It soaked the clothes of corpses, cut down in the streets or half-buried in their broken homes. It cleaned the smoke out of the air and banished the smell of burning metal. In places where the sewer lines had been broken, it gathered into vast, stagnant pools. The rain soaked Tezzeret to the bone, weighing down his dreadlocks and soaking his robe. It beaded and ran down the surface of his metal arm, dripping from his clawed fingers. He shook his head, spraying water, as he turned the corner from a street that was half rubble and came into the presence of his master. Nicol Bolas sat in the wreckage of a row of houses, a pile of smashed bricks and shattered rafters for his throne. He looked, to Tezzeret's surprise, very much the worse for wear. Scorch marks and broken scales were all over his enormous body, and one huge burn on his chest was crisscrossed with deep cuts that wept black blood. None of it seemed to bother the dragon unduly, though, and as Tezzeret watched, 
the wounds began to close. In one hand, he held a huge white skull, which could only have belonged to another dragon nearly as large as Bolas himself. Scoured clean of flesh, it rested in the palm of Bolas's enormous hand, and Bolas regarded it with a mixture of pride and something like sadness. This world doesn't have a chance. Tezzeret permitted himself a private grin. It never did. He crossed the street and knelt in front of the dragon. Bolas contemplated the skull for a moment longer, and then set it carefully aside and looked down at Tezzeret. My faithful servant, you have news? Yes, master. Tezzeret got to his feet. Matters are proceeding well, and we've encountered no significant resistance so far. You have not. Bolas glanced at the skull. No matter. What else? Rauzeric reached the beacon tower. Varaska and your spirit confronted him, but they were successful. The spirit was destroyed and Varaska's fate is uncertain. And the beacon? Bolas had to know. Tezzeret had known the moment it had happened. The beacon burned in his mind, a bright flame visible to any planeswalker, an invitation to Ravnica. <clears throat> he activated it, Master. I see. A slow smile spread across the dragon's enormous face. Then everything is going according to plan. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voice of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed what you heard, please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or following us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Podcasts, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. The Gathering Storm was written by Django Wexler. The podcast was produced and edited by Gen Dokeshi, with sound editing by Noxshade. This week's story featured the voice talents of Mycroftian, Nalani, Melissa Sheldon, Mertia, Maxi Bridgewood, Bitnovus, DQJ, Violet Legacy, Tarfari Clark, and Regula. Voice of All is unofficial fan content, permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyright, Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening. This concludes The Gathering Storm. The story continues in The War of the Spark. This has also been the last story that I will direct, for now, for Voice of All. I'll be taking a step back for a while, but one of our sound designers, Noxshade, has graciously offered to direct. We will be moving to an every-other-week format, but stories will continue. And I'll still be here, as producer. So, just hit me up on Twitter, always at the same place. I hope you'll join us for another year of storytelling. Happy New Year, everyone.